Hi there. I'm Joe Dudek, president and founder of Keyhole Marketing. And I'm Shannon Jarek. I work for Keyhole as the assistant brand manager. And this is Metaphorically Speaking, a podcast that explores the mysterious side of marketing. Hello and welcome to this episode of Metaphorically Speaking. We were excited for the chance to just sit down and chat with Lisa Tassarowitz, who is the founder and owner of Epicentral Coworking, which has two locations in the Colorado Springs area. So if you're not totally familiar with what a co-working space is, it's really just a shared workspace for professionals, maybe entrepreneurs, small business owners, really anyone that either doesn't have a physical location to work outside of the home or just needs a fresh change of scenery. So her spaces provide meeting rooms, private offices, conference rooms, technology, really anything that you as an individual or you as a group may need um, when co-working together. So I know, Joe, in the past, you've worked in co-working spaces, you've bopped around town, you know, to, to work away from the home. What kind of value do you see in these spaces as somebody who's gotten to enjoy them? Yeah, I haven't worked in a space around here. Um, just kind of missed that window, moved out here in 2019, and then kind of was just getting myself settled a little bit, and then COVID hit and kind of missed that mm. around here. Yeah, co-working is not exactly the the thing to do during COVID, is it? No, it's kind of, they're not like, hey, everybody get together. <laughs> um, so I did work at it in Indianapolis and a little different models, kind of just more of an open space and um, kind of a monthly membership plan. So I love how they have different sizes available, not only of places to work, but also investment sizes to that people can kind of have at Epicentral. And the value I found in the past is just just community with people. You know, you're not able, you're not looking at your same four walls in your house. Um, you're having real life conversations with people. Um, sometimes just those interactions are inspiring you. Sometimes um, you're finding somebody with a great story who you know can kind of speak into your own experience. Yeah, I think it was really cool how Lisa talked very specifically about the community that these co-working spaces create. Exactly like you said, you're finding like-minded people who can share ideas or you're finding people who are different from yourself, who have a different story and you're getting to make friends, you know, or meet other professionals. And I liked how she just talked about seeing people over the years, meeting at a co-working space and eventually getting married even um, yeah. or meeting at the co-working space and then um, dating and breaking up, you know, and yeah. then people got to find a new time window <laughs> to work or in more of a professional setting, just, you know, people who are kind of rubbing shoulders and end up dreaming together and starting businesses together out of that co-working space. So just some really cool paths that are taken when people collaborate like that. Yeah. And I loved how she painted a great picture of how the entrepreneurial landscape was, years ago um, and before this business started and then leaving the area, being inspired of how can I change that landscape? How can I support the entrepreneurial community with a business like this? And so I think that's a, the other part of this is that as you go into and work out of a space like that, you just realize you're part of something bigger than your own little small operation, whatever it is. And you're all together changing the landscape. You're bettering the lives of local residents and consumers. And I don't know, you just, you just feel like supported by being a part of that whole big story that's unfolding. 
Well, and I'm sure you can relate to this, Joe, as well as our other entrepreneurs out there, but it can be a lonely journey at times when Mm -hmm. you're stepping out on your own and you don't have that, you know, regular set of coworkers every day. So a place like Epicentral is just, it can become home for those kinds of people to remember they're not alone. They, They have support, they have a community there for them. Yeah. And there's a lot of times when you have an experience where you just feel like you're the only one who experienced that and you realize just through usually a quick conversation, like, oh, I'm not the mm-hmm. first one to encounter this, this one thing. So sometimes it's just quickly resolved through a quick share with somebody else and like, oh yeah, that happened to me last year. Here's what happened. <laughs> oh, good. Exactly. So thank you, Lisa, for just what you're doing for the community as well as the time to chat with us today. We hope you guys enjoy listening to the episode. Thanks so much for joining us today, Lisa. Um, I just saw, you know, you, you graduated from the University of Denver. I just wanted to kind of start there a little bit, not with your education, but did you grow up locally? Are you Is that what brought you to Colorado or, or, or where did you grow up? No, I, I grew up here. I moved here when I was three years old. So as far as what I can remember, it all happened in Colorado Springs. So perhaps more importantly than, perhaps more important than being a graduate of University of Denver is that I graduated from Palmer High School, which oh. is two blocks away from where I now own, where I'm sitting right now and where I own a business. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Where, where did you come from at three years old? Uh, Texas, like, oh. like many people <laughs> in Colorado, yeah, I immigrated from Texas with my family. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And what brought you, your family this way? Um, it's, it's sort of interesting and it sort of in some ways plays into the story of maybe who I am and what I do. Um, my my parents met in Colorado Springs, so before I was only a sparkle in their eyes, they met here. They both chose to live. I think my dad was here on a contract programming uh, the streetlights, mm-hmm. and uh, my mom was here. She just always wanted to live in Colorado. She had grown up in the Midwest and also in Texas, and she thought that Colorado was just the most beautiful place and that Colorado Springs was amazing. Um, so they both moved here and sort of because they wanted to because it's beautiful. Yeah. And uh, the people are lovely. And so they met here. They moved around a bunch once they were married. But my mom always wanted to get back here and wanted to raise her family here. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, my father thought that there weren't a lot of opportunity. He was an entrepreneur and he didn't think that there were many opportunities in Colorado Springs. And maybe there were less opportunities at this time. We're talking now like 45 years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, so he, when he sort of planted his entrepreneurial roots, he really liked Texas. He liked Dallas. He thought there was a good tech scene there. Um, he had some connections there. So he always started businesses in Texas, uh, but my mom always wanted to live in Colorado. So when I, they were living in Texas and then my mom said, you know what, we're moving to Colorado. My dad actually continued to commute to Texas uh, as I grew up. I mean, through when I was in high school, he would fly down to Texas every week uh, and do business down there while we all lived up here. Yeah. Awesome. And did you have aspirations of staying here? Was it always, or did you have Oh, no, absolutely not. No. Uh, In high school, I remember thinking, you know, oh, Colorado Springs, it's so small town. It's so backwoods, you know, like I couldn't, I couldn't get out soon enough. And actually when I first went to college as a freshman, I went to Tufts University in the East coast because, you know, I needed something bigger, better, more exciting. So uh, I started off at Tufts University and it was a huge shock to my system, like living on the East coast. I mean, I had traveled all around the world at that point, but I had never felt so much culture shock as living on the East Coast. And I was like, oh, these people aren't very nice and <laughs> it's not very beautiful here. And of course, you know, that's the thing, like you don't, you don't realize what you have or the great things about the place you live yeah. uh, oftentimes until you leave, right? So um, I left, certainly learned to appreciate Colorado Springs a heck of a lot more. 
uh, and the people here and everything that Colorado Springs has to offer. So, um, so yeah, I did a little East Coast living. Then I lived in Denver. I lived in New York for a little while, but it was sort of, there was a journey of like, I really care, like all of that traveling, living in other places really made me realize that the thing I care a lot about is Colorado Springs. And really I want to plant roots here and I want to help. I mean, granted, there, there are a lot of things I don't love about Colorado Springs, but you know, it's on me to make it better. So that's what I'm going to do. Yeah. I totally get that desire to sort of get outside of, of what you grew up in. I grew up in Indiana, always pined to come out here to Colorado. Um, even as a kid, I didn't actually get out here until I was 20, 24 actually. And then of course, eventually decided that I came out here as a, as a, as a visitor on um, my honeymoon. And then we just kind of put a mental note of like, Hey, we should, we should come back there sometime. Yeah. So Spend some I, more time. Yeah. And I always wonder if it's like my own, like the Midwest, like I got to get out of the Midwest or if you grew up by the mountains, you still kind of pine for something else uh, away from, from there. So I get it as well. Just, it, and it's good. I think that's healthy to, to get outside of your, your roots. You'll appreciate too, that actually it was, it was in Indiana. I was, I was, I was spending some time in South Bend and I don't know what part of Indiana you're from. Okay. So my aunt runs a women's day shelter there called St. Margaret's house. Um, and so she runs the shelter and she, I had just graduated from college and I was sort of like, didn't know what I was going to do next. Um, and so she ran this nonprofit and she had just finished a big capital campaign and had lost one of her employees and just in like her database had crashed. She just needed some help. So she was like, can you just move here for three months and come help me? And I was like, ugh. Like I just graduated with a business degree. Like, and you want me to come to South Bend, Indiana and help you work in some nonprofit? Like, oh, you've got to be kidding me, right? So I went there and it was completely life-changing um, mm. doing that sort of work with people in this community. And uh, it's an incredible organization. My aunt does an incredible job and it was, it was all great. But what I came to the realization was that like, I, I really do like to help people. I really yeah. enjoy that. But I don't feel rooted in South Bend. Like I, I like this work, but yeah. I don't want to, but I, I want to go do it in Colorado Springs. So then that was like my first jobs I ever got. Then I was going back to Colorado Springs. I actually worked in the nonprofit industry, but it was all sort of the, I, the whole, like certainly being in South Bend solidified my, like, I want to do this great work, but I want to be in this place that I care about just because I hadn't been in South Bend that long. I just didn't, I didn't have that tie. Like I have to Colorado Springs. So yeah, that new perspective then gave you a, a, a light there. What about, um, you said your dad uh, owned a few businesses. Was that sort of your first connection to entrepreneurship? I mean, what was sure. Yeah, he started. Uh, he started a number of businesses. He started uh, one particular uh, corporation in Dallas, which eventually went public, hmm. okay. and is still. I don't know if it's actually still listed on the New York Stock Exchange, but yeah. So yeah. he had a big, you know, one big success. I mean, several other. I don't mean to say like only one, but yeah, he had. Yeah. He had some good success. So, what were your first thoughts as you you saw that as a kid? Were you, you know dreaming of the same experience? Was it just sort of like those dad things and, and eventually became to light of, of your own journey? Or was it something that you just always thought of, like, I have to do the same thing. It's sort of in my genes. In my bones. Uh, very much. I did not want to do the same thing. I didn't think that I was built in the same way. Uh, you know, my dad, my dad came to this country with $500, hmm. but he also had a PhD in math, right? So he like came to this country with nothing and was able to live the American dream. Hmm. Uh, and it's, it's an incredible story. And uh, I'm, I'm incredibly lucky that he did that. Um, but no, being an entrepreneur was never something I was interested in for me, but he was also very much on the tech side and of things, you know, uh, and so that was never, I, I never identified with more of like the tech side or being a coder. And so for me, I sort of equated the two that like, oh, if you're going to start this huge 
multi-million dollar business, like you have to know something about tech. Mm-hmm. Um, and for me, I, so I got a degree in business cause I felt like that's what I needed to do. Um, cause I felt like, oh, that's just a skill I should have. Like what else would I major in? Yeah. Um, even though looking back, I should have majored in a hundred other different things, but anyway, um, but no, like I was interested in business, but like not really the tech side. And I was much more interested in like people and I think helping people. And I wasn't able to maybe marry that together until later on in my life. So like my first, when I've got my first jobs, like they were all in nonprofits and trying to help people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Does that answer your question? Yeah, totally does. Okay. totally does. What were some of your other degrees you wish you would have had as you look back on your college? I don't know. Uh, accounting. I mean, that's sort of business related. So, but I mean, maybe I should have just been like a tax accountant. I really do like accounting. Um, I don't know. Maybe I should have gone into something like totally different. My dad always wished I'd gone into like biology or maybe I should have become an engineer. Interesting. Um, but, I, but also like, I think it probably doesn't matter at the end of the day. Yeah. You, you, you're on a, you'll take whatever path. I mean, yeah, your path is your path. Raise your hand if you've heard the term FOMO. Okay, just kidding. This is a podcast. I cannot see anything. (laughs) I do hope a few of you were gullible enough to participate, though. FOMO is the fear of missing out, a.k.a. what Joe is feeling by not being a part of this podcast ad break. Your small business marketing strategy is experiencing FOMO. It's missing out on something. It's not spending more money on social media ads. It's not door-to-door knocking. It's not hanging flyers in your local coffee shop or spamming your customers' inboxes with daily emails. The biggest piece your marketing strategy is missing might surprise you. It's blogging. It's been found that companies who blog typically gain at least twice as much web traffic as those that don't blog. And 61% of US consumers say they have made a purchase based solely on a blog. So if you want to stand out from the crowd, spend less dollars on marketing, be listed in relevant Google search results, be known as the local industry expert on your product or service, and finally inspire people to take action, then you are already raising your hand to say that blogging is a good fit for your small business. Now we recognize the challenges and confusion wrapped up in adding a blog to your digital marketing strategy. And that's why we want to help. So visit keyholemarketing.us slash getblogging to discover the 22 reasons why your small business should have a blog, to hear some real talk on why you're avoiding it, and to learn 11 ways that we can help you get one started and keep it going. Kind of walk me through a little bit of your, your career after, after college. What, what, what did your path go from there? So I worked in the nonprofit industry uh, for several years. I worked for um, an organization called Urban Peak, which I think is now called The Place, which uh, serves homeless and runaway youth. I also worked for an organization called Tessa, which um, does a lot of advocacy for victims of domestic violence in town. So, um, and that was all really great work because I think it like fell into that, like I wanna help my community. I wanna help people who need help in my community. So how could I do that? During that time of doing that work, though, I, I burned out, you know, maybe because because also like I could never work directly with people, with clients, let's say, you know, that wasn't my specialty. My specialty is I want to help people, but my specialty is not people. Right. So instead, what I'm really good at is running things. 
right? Mm-hmm. So like I can be the HR person, I can be the operations person. Like I'm, I can't like sit with anyone face to face and solve their problems, but like I can sort of work, I can, I can support the people who can do that work, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's what I can be good at. So I'm working in the nonprofit industry. I'm really enjoying it, but I'm also burning out and I'm also struggling with having impact. And like, you know, these organizations are trying to solve these huge problems that are really hard to solve, like youth homelessness and domestic violence, you know? And I decided that, you know, because of the family that I had too, that maybe I could make a bigger impact if I, instead of became an employee of these organizations, if I became a funder. Mm -hmm. So um, I did some work with my family and convinced them to start a family foundation, which could start supporting these organizations um, and different organizations in Colorado Springs. And it also helped sort of further my love for Colorado Springs that I could do more to just do what I think is best for Colorado Springs as sort of a grant maker and funder in the community. Mm-hmm. So I, so simultaneously when I'm starting my family foundation, I went to a sort of strategic philanthropy school. It was like a one year program and it was in the Bay area. And while in that program we had to, so I mean, I was in that program because I was you know, starting this family foundation and wanted to do it I don't want to say like differently, but I, I needed to educate myself on that. Cause like when I was probably, I wasn't even 30, I was maybe 30 years old at the time. Right. And like, here, I'm going to start this family foundation. Like what training is there for me? How do I learn how to do that? So, um, so I did it at this program in the Bay area and with that program, we had to develop, we had a sort of final project or what we had to, not like you had to graduate, but like the final project was that you had to come up with what they called your theory of change. And actually I started like with really what's the work that the family foundation is going to focus on. But for me, what I got sort of tied into while going through this program is again, focusing on my love of Colorado Springs and then thinking about like, what are the things about Colorado Springs that I don't like? And during this time, and again, we're talking 10 years ago. um, The things that frustrated me most about Colorado Springs at that time was that we were sort of not a very creative community. Mm -hmm. We were a community of definitely what's the opposite of an early adopter. You know, like we sort of were like behind the times. Um, Our community didn't have a lot of entrepreneurs. We had some like entrepreneurial history, but we weren't doing a lot to support our entrepreneurs. Instead, I think the support and the focus of this community was on real estate development. Mm -hmm. And that's where the money was. So, you know, I just wanted like more creativity, more entrepreneurship, more people just like having crazy ideas and following them. So, I'm like in this program trying to figure out like, well, does, is that what my foundation should focus on? Or like, what could I be doing? So I'm in the Bay area to, to be in this program and I'm not there all the time. I just have to travel there occasionally. My brother also lives in the Bay area. That's sort of what inspired me to do a program there was to also spend time with him. And at that same time, he is a member of different co-working spaces and his co-working isn't something I had heard of at that point. Okay. So he belongs to these different co-working spaces because he works from home. He, you know, was working from home at the time and wanted, you know, a social outlet and wanted to meet people and wanted to, to, you know, thought he would do better work, maybe not from home. Mm-hmm. Um, and needed sort of a reason to get out of the house. So he, so he was joining these co-working spaces. So I'm seeing these co-working spaces, trying to figure out how to like grow the entrepreneurial community in Colorado Springs. And I sort of like hits me like, Oh, that's what I should do. I should open up a co-working space in Colorado Springs. And I'm a firm believer in like, you want to make your city better, look at other cities that you really like, steal their ideas, bring them home. Right. Um, so sorry. And, and we were, but we were not the first co-working space here. It turns out there was another co- great group of guys called the Enclave. They were the first ones to open up a co-working space in Colorado Springs. So we opened up the first one. 
downtown. So that sort of became, so I knew, I knew coming out of that program, like, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to start this co-working space. So, so that number one, I can do something to support entrepreneurs in the community. And also that I can just get to know entrepreneurs, like mm-hmm. I'll build them this clubhouse and they can hang out and then we, and then I'll know what they need. And then I can help them and help them grow and help them take over Colorado Springs. It'll be so great. Um, so that was sort of how that happened. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's beautiful. Um, yeah, they, they existed in the community, but they didn't have that that hub, that um, that resource to really come together and support each other. Um, I think the same scene. I feel like I we moved it to Colorado Springs two years ago. Seems like six years ago with COVID. I don't know how many. Right. Years. Right. Um, it seems like it kind of was how Indianapolis was a few years ago. That it was also kind of that quiet uh, entrepreneurial community, and everybody sort of like everybody was doing their siloed businesses out of their house or somewhere else. And then they started some of these co-working spaces, which brought us all connected. And, 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 you know, everybody was – it's the same kind of feel here. It doesn't seem very competitive against each other. We're all trying to support each other. There's enough probably in your lane if you're good enough at what you do. And you're not trying to, like, hold on to everything and be super competitive with everybody else. And I just love that similar vibe here that you and others have created since I've entered the space because, yeah, it's very similar to what I enjoyed in, in, in Indianapolis. And um, – yeah, it's kind of nice to, to step in at that point in the, the process. Is there any um, a kind of a naming geek? Is there any sort of like um, story behind the name Epicentral? Or how did that um, good question. I was not the one that came up with it. So I came back. So I, I finished my program, came back to town or, you know, it was already sort of in town. Right. But um, started talking to people like everyone I would meet to talk about this idea. Right. Because I sort of wanted to vet it and figure out what people thought. And at that point, like you had to go through this whole long story of what actually co-working was, right? Because it wasn't something that just like, it's such, it's so nice now. It's such a time saver when, when I'm like, oh, I own some co-working spaces. Then I don't have to explain what co-working is, right? It just makes conversations way shorter. It's so nice. Um, so I'm talking to, to people I run into and just trying to like build relationships and network with people about how to start this thing. And um, I meet this guy, Tucker Wanamaker, and he it's like, oh my gosh, I have a friend. I, I know someone else who wants to start a co-working space. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh great, can you introduce us? So he inter- he introduces me to this woman, Hannah Parsons, who, um, you know, I'd never met before, but she wanted to do it too. And she wanted to do it for very for sort of different reasons, right? She was a, if I remember the story correctly, uh, this is how I remember it. Um, she was a real estate agent at the time, and her brand for her her real estate company was, I think, like. Pikes Peak Urban Living or Color Springs Urban Living, right? And she like was really, you know, focused on sort of like these downtown neighborhoods. Mm-hmm. Um, but her office, because of the, you know, the the brokers she worked with under together, they were located on Chuck Wagon Drive. And she's like, how can I be Pikes Peak Urban Living and right. be located on Chuck Wagon Drive? Right. Like I need to be on Tejon, I need to be on Nevada, I need to be downtown, I need to be like on one of these street names that everybody knows, right? Yes. And so, and so she had, I mean, she's you know, very well read in terms of like what makes cities great and how do they grow and stuff like that. So I think she, she knew about co-working. She thought Color Springs could really use one, use one downtown. So we sort of met, we started talking and we're like, yeah, let's just do that. Let's just do it together. Yeah. Let's just go. Let's, yeah. let's go. Um, so we started this co-working space. I think she actually came up with the name and I was like, okay, let's mm-hmm. go for it. And I think that, you know, obviously being in the time of COVID epicenter means something uh, a little bit different, or if we lived in a place with earthquakes, maybe we wouldn't have that name, but um, you know, just wanted to be the center of the action and a place where people yeah. come together. Yeah. How a lot of people call it epi. Uh, some people call it, yeah, there's all sorts of 
epic entral is another one. Yeah, like it's, you know, there were some things we didn't foresee. So. Yeah, that's always happens, right? Keyhole, people use that word, uh, not the way I intended for it. Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> so um, how do you, I mean, I always find this question interesting with clients. You know, how do you describe the business to a five-year-old? We, we talk about it's a very common word now, but like mm. how, how would you say that to somebody who doesn't know what a co-working space is? It, your particular space, what does it offer? Sure. Um, so to a five-year-old. <laughs> That's always the challenge, right? Yep. You got to strip out the buzzwords and all the other things. Yeah. And I think like I have a four-year-old too. And I was like, do I, does she even know what I do? Don't talk about my work. She just thinks I go to meetings all day. Um, and she just knows like work doesn't really matter to her what it is. That's just where I am. Um, yeah. So five-year-olds, you know how some people go to an office to work and their work is in a building at a certain place. Well, not everyone has an office to go to instead. Maybe they work from home. And so maybe they don't like working from home because at home there are a lot of distractions and there aren't a lot of other fun people to hang out with. Mm -hmm. So we have this thing called co-working where you can leave your house to go to an office to work and hang out with other people that maybe don't have offices in which they would normally work. Mm -hmm. Um, I think the other thing I like to say about co-working too is that, you know, even if you have an office that you like to work in, sometimes that office gets boring Mm -hmm. and your brain, in order for your brain to think differently, you need to go work somewhere differently. So you should go to a co-working space and have your work there sometimes. Love it. It's probably the best description I've I've heard. Oh, thanks. (laughs) I think it's also like if a five-year-old knows what a gym is, I think that's like the gym analogy kind of works or is a metaphor, but like, you know how, your parent maybe sometimes goes to the gym to work out because they don't have all that equipment at home. Sometimes people need to get out of their house to work because they don't have all that equipment at home, like yeah. a meeting room, a really fast internet. Yeah. So. Yeah, I love yeah, it's it's so great. I mean, it's changing though. Like, I mean, you and our clientele are like the average, maybe not like the average member. I mean, we have a lot of different types of members, but we're seeing so many more of those sort of nomads that mm-hmm. we didn't see in the beginning, right? But now, like it's becoming a part of our culture, right? That we have people that just are passing through that are visiting Colorado Springs that want to, that need to get work done for a little while. And like, we're seeing, we're seeing a lot more of those people than we ever saw before. People that are like, I'm just going to be here for a week. I'm just in town for a week, checking things out, you know, so I'm going to work here or a month, you know, I rented this Airbnb for a month. I'm just passing through. So it's interesting. Yeah. And I think that works great even for my schedule because I've even in Indianapolis, I loved, I actually was part of a co-working space there, but a little tied down to it sometimes because I felt like I've already paid for it. I have to go there. Mm-hmm. It's a different arrangement than some of the offers you have. Um, a little bit more just like monthly membership. You know, use it as much as as, as little as you can. Um, but um, I always felt like okay, I spent the money, but I also kind of like working around the city and going down mm-hmm. to, like, on the south side of town, north side of town, this coffee mm-hmm. shop, that bar, or whatever I wanted to work at. And um, yeah, I think that's that's nice to have those options so you're not just so tied down to, to, to one space every time because that's a lot of times why we don't get our, our own office space because you're, you're kind of stuck in that space as well. Right, right. So is it, you know, I think about my experiences in the co-working space, um, you know, A, it's a quiet space to kind of, it's a creative, more creative space sometimes to get out of your own, your own lab, just to even leave the house where either your kids are home or not home, you're just always there. So it's good, it's good there. 
Is there other, as you thought about it from a changing the community of Colorado Springs, how did you see the space leveraging that? Not just giving people a new outlook or a quiet space. How did you see that it could change the landscape of entrepreneurship around here? Sure. I think that, I, th- I think that we are all inherently social beings, right? Like no matter, I mean, even if we're really introverted and I'm fairly introverted, we still need people and we want to be around people. Maybe we don't always want to talk to them, but we want to be around them. And I think that, I think that what we do, one of the things we do best is creating our community, is creating a community. And Mm so, you know, it's not only that people, you know, especially when I think about like maybe freelancers, contract workers, that they don't always feel like they have a work home, you know, and we can be that work home. We will throw your holiday party. We have weekly happy hours. You know, some people are new to town or maybe they don't have a huge social life, right? But like there are groups of people here that like go to have like a little restaurant club and they try different restaurants. So it's like, if you also, I mean, some people are just here to work and they just need a quiet space to work and a place we have home to work. And that's fine. That's great. Some people just need to come for meetings because they need meeting space because they prefer not to invite their clients into their home, right? And that's great. But I think the most special thing that we can offer if someone wants it um, and if someone needs it is, is that community mm. that, that, you know, you want to know about a great bar, you want to know a great place to have lunch, you want to go on a pike ride with some people, you want to go to a soccer game with some people, like you have a group here that will go with you and will want to go with you. So I think, and then you have a group of people here that will celebrate you when you have success that will support you when things are not going so well, you have a group of people who will help you solve your problems. You have a group of people here who you might hire or they might hire you, you know, like the amount of, I mean, that's so like that community, like we've had members that have met here and gotten married. Mm, Um, We also have members who have met here, dated and then broke up, which is a little more awkward (laughs) uh, and more difficult to navigate. Right. We have members that have started businesses with each other because they met each other in the space and sort of, one bounced an idea off another one and then it became a reality. Right. So that's, I think that's the most magical thing is like bringing is just bring people together and see what happens. And I think that we're better together. So, so yeah, as far as improving the entrepreneurial community, people are meeting with each other and they're hiring each other. They're using each other, you know, for whatever services they offer, they're starting businesses together. People are feeling supported. People are talking about new ideas you know, especially, and also if you have like a new entrepreneur versus a more experienced entrepreneur, like, Hey, when did you make that leap of quitting your job? You know, just that you can have those conversations and you have a, you have a, a trusted experienced ear or just someone to bounce ideas off of. I think that's really nice. And I'd say the other thing as far as how it's helped the community is that, and this is of course more pre COVID, right. But that, um, we are a space where people can come together sort for events. So Oh, we host the JavaScript meetup group, the Python meetup group, the .NET meetup group, the AWS meetup group. I don't know what any of those things mean, but they come and hang out here once a week and or once a month. And, you know, and they need that. Like people need space to come together in order to to learn, to improve, um, to get better, to, to make this community better. And then, you know, startup weekends, startup weeks, you know, all those things. It's just been it's it's been great to be a place where people come together and create and start. Yeah, I agree. I mean, there's, and especially in this COVID, post-COVID, whatever you would say, uh, world where we've, um, yeah, just haven't had that personal interaction, really that human contact with people and even just 
the neurons firing through eye to eye contact. You, you know, right. You could really play out the same way through Zoom. Right. You know, I think your space probably is even more necessary now than it was pre 2020. Yeah. As far as what it provides. How did COVID affect your business? You know, was it was it sort of typical business shut down for a while and you're up and running today? Or how, kind of give us a Yep. So, yeah, when the shutdown happened, uh, you know, we were also shut down. I mean, some members were considered those essential workers or had an essential business. So they could still, I mean, our, our space is sort of, you know, we didn't staff it because our staff was staying home, right? But people who had to come, I mean, people can access the space whenever they want, it's their space. Um, so some people were coming in because they were considered essential. Um, but we also, we, yeah, we collected no income for over a month because we didn't feel like it was right to charge people memberships if they couldn't come here and use our services uh, or use the buildings. So yeah, we shut down, that was rough. Um, starting it up again, you know, I think that people missed co-working, right? But they also didn't want to work with a mask on and. I, I get that, you know, but of course we're going to follow any state mandates or county mandates that there are. So you're going to have to wear a mask when you're walking around. Um, so for a lot of people, it just didn't make sense to come yet until certain uh, restrictions were lifted. There was also this issue of sort of capacity that, you know, co the way, of course, there's a couple different ways to make money in co-working. The best way to make money is through private office sort of, uh, not leases, but memberships, right? Like your offices make the most money. Um, and then if you want to make money in open co-working, like with your part-time or full-time sort of hot desk memberships, you got to cram a lot of people into a space. Mm -hmm. Not good to cram a lot of people into a space during a pandemic. So, you know, we had to move all of our furniture and we can only have so many chairs and I totally get it. And it was the right thing to do. Right. But our capacity was super low. Um, so we couldn't really, we lost a lot of members of course, cause they're staying home and rightfully so. But then people that were willing to come back, we couldn't have a lot of people. We couldn't have a lot of people come back because we just didn't have the space, and people needed to be spread out. So things are definitely picking up. Things are normalizing. We're seeing a lot of our former members coming back, and it's so great. We're seeing a lot of new members. So things are definitely picking back up. We're still having to, but we're still regrouping and we're still growing. And it was hard. It was it was definitely hard. And I think that just you know, our granted, yes, we provide people with space, but really, if you ask the staff about what it is we do, like. What we love to do is bring people together and connect them. And it's not an ideal time to do that during a pandemic, right? Because we sort of specialize in doing that in person. Um, so yeah, we're, we're, we're trying to thrive again. Yeah, yeah. Just a couple more questions. When you kind of looking back at that, that time when you were headed off to the Bay Area and you know, we were sort of having this tension within your city and things that weren't there, how would you compare and contrast the Colorado Springs business community at that time to today? What are, what are some changes? What are some oh, man. I mean, it's like night and day, right? I mean, downtown Colorado Springs is thriving, uh, which is something I wouldn't necessarily have said. I mean, it was always one of a place that I like to be, right? But the amount of new restaurants, new things to do, museums, stadiums, pike ride, I mean, everybody wants to be downtown. Um, we always want to be downtown, but now everyone else does too. It's so great. Right. So downtown is thriving. Um, and then there's just, there's so much more energy around the entrepreneurial community. There's so many more, um, organizations who are doing incredible work, you know, trying to grow the entrepreneur entrepreneurial community. You know, I think of exponential impact, um, you know, there are many more co-working spaces, which I think is great. I mean, sure. It's, it's it's competition, right? But 
I think it's so great, right? And I believe that all boats rise and this city is only getting bigger. So we're going to need more and more co-working spaces. So, um, but yeah, no, I think that, I think that now it's certainly more normal to say like, oh, I work out of a co-working space or I'm going to a meeting at this co-working space or I'm going to have my meetup group at the co-working space. So, I mean, that feels great. Um, I think, yeah, entrepreneurs, entrepreneurs in town don't feel so alone. Contract workers don't feel so alone. Freelancers don't feel so alone. People who are remote workers don't feel so alone. And we're just seeing more and more of them. And I just, it's great. You've been listening to the Metaphorically Speaking podcast. At Keyhole Marketing, we tell big stories for small businesses. If you're in the Colorado Springs area and ready to tell your business story, we'd love to come alongside you and help you with your content, branding, SEO, social media, or photography needs. For an instant glimpse at your current marketing's strengths, weaknesses, and opportunities, take our free marketing assessment at keyholemarketing.us slash marketing dash assessment or send us an email at hi at keyholemarketing.us and let us know how we can help tell your story.